This is the Better Reading Podcast platform with stories behind the story, Jane's Be Better Podcast, my book chat with Caroline Overington and more. Looking for a particular podcast? Remember, you can always skip to it. Welcome to the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story, brought to you by Belinda Audio. Listen to Belinda Audiobooks, anywhere, everywhere. Hi, this is Cheryl Arkell from the Better Reading Podcast, stories behind the story. We talk to authors about how they came to tell us their story. Ethan Cross, welcome to Better Reading. Thanks for having me, Cheryl. Excited, excited yeah, to yeah. be here with you on, on, on halfway around the world. Yes. Ann Arbor. Is that right? Yeah. Ann Arbor, Michigan, where I'm looking right outside my window to the, the trees changing color in the fall, autumn. It is spectacular here right now. COVID rates are relatively low, so life is good for the moment. Yeah, I think there is a real sense of optimism at the moment, isn't there? I'm feeling the same way here. We're moving, it's spring and we're moving into summer, but the notion that maybe COVID is slipping a little bit further away from us is is pretty exciting. Okay, let me introduce you. Ethan is one of the world's experts in controlling the conscience mind. He is a professor at the University of Michigan, where he founded the Emotion and Self-Control Laboratory. He has participated in policy discussions at the White House, and his research has been featured in the New York Times, Wall Street Journal, and the New Yorker, amongst other publications. He is the author of the best-selling book, Chatter, The Voice in Our Head, and How to Harness It. And that's what we're talking about today. Now, do you know, in a way, I kind of thought it, it, the book's called Chatter, but it could also be Clutter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Don't you think? Um, well, Chatter often takes the form of Clutter in the sense that the defining feature of Chatter is getting stuck in a negative thought loop that consumes your attention. So all you can think about are the problems that are worrying you, whether they be past or present. And it is, in a very real sense, cluttering your mind. So one of the one of the findings I like to describe to people is it has to do with our attention. So we only have like a limited amount of attention to think about things at any given moment in time. And most listeners will have experienced the how chatter can affect our attention, because if you've ever tried reading a few pages in a book while you're worried about something, you've probably had the experience of scanning all the words on the page. You are totally confident that you've done it but you get to the end and you don't remember anything you've said. That's because the chatter has cluttered your mind. Ethan, I want to stop you there because that is so true, not just for me, but when COVID started back in March, Feb, March 2020, and reading is my job, talking to writers is my job, speaking to readers is my job, almost every single person I spoke to in the first six months of COVID told me they couldn't concentrate enough to read. And yeah. these are writers as well. And, you know, I was talking to people like Peter Carey and he's saying to me, I can't, I, I'm finding if I can only get through a short story. Well, you know, I think it's it's a phenomenon. And um, this is one of the ways that chatter really undermines us. It undermines our ability to think and perform when we want to and arguably have to think and perform. This is why it can be so debilitating in the workplace or on the sports field when we're experiencing chatter. 
You know, it's interesting. When I first got involved in this research, uh, a lot of people, and I told them, hey, people, I'm talking to people, and oh, hey, I study this voice in our head and what happens when you're worrying and ruminating. And sometimes people initially think about this as a relatively soft topic, right? It's a soft and fuzzy issue. Oh, it's your emotions, you're worried. But it's very easy to point to reams and reams of papers and statistics which show that this is one of the big problems we face, arguably, as a society. And to, to put that in perspective, the, the World Health Organization put a price tag on chatter in the workplace in the form of anxiety and depression, which we know are mood states that are characterized by this, by this incessant chatter. We can't stop thinking about our problems. That number, the, the impact that chatter has on the, on the U.S. economy, $1 trillion dollars. Cheryl, I had to look up how many zeros there are in a trillion. I was not aware. That is a big number. And that's just the United States' economy. Oh, I, I totally I totally buy it. The thing is, when I look at myself and my career, right, I dropped out of school because I was studying to be a teacher and then I realized I didn't like children. which <laughs> Kind of a problem. <laughs> kind of a problem, right? But I had the best teachers and they directed me to work in a bookshop and hence my career and why I'm sitting here talking to you. Best, best decision ever. But I had to get the, the negativity of not fin finishing college out of my mind. That And it was only in my own mind because no one ever asked me anyway. And also for a long time, because I got senior roles really quickly into book selling and retail, and then I moved in, into publishing. But there was always a voice in my head, and you'll know this, imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That is very, very common. But I thought it was unique at the time. Incredibly so. Well, you know, one of the, th I'm glad you mentioned unique because one of the, the, the things I hope Chatter will do, I mean, I hope it does many things for, for readers, but one of the things I hope it does is that it normalizes the experience of Chatter. Okay. You know, it's interesting. A lot of people don't spend their dinnertime conversations with their parents growing up talking about what they're thinking about in their head, talking about the chatter. A lot of people don't know what it even means to have a voice in our head. But what does that actually mean? I usually start talks by saying, hey, so scientifically, what, what I'm talking about when I say the voice in our head, what I mean is this is your ability to silently use language to reflect on your life. If you can use language out loud to communicate with another person, you can use it silently. And this is a remarkable tool that we use to do all sorts of things. Everything from keeping a, 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 you know, a supermarket shopping list active in our heads as we walk down the aisles of a grocery store. Hey, what do I have to buy? Yogurt, apples, oranges, to coaching ourselves along. Come on, Ethan, you could finish this terrible exercise you don't want to be doing, to creating stories that explain our chaotic experience of this world. Like, why did this happen? So it's a tool, but it can run amok. And when it run amok, runs amok, it sometimes leads to those feelings of imposterism, which are incredibly common um, and can fortunately be addressed. But do you know what I also think? It's acknowledging that they're there. It's accepting that that's what's happening. I'm ultimately a positive person. You know, I'm definitely a half glass full person without a doubt. And I've got this ability to really... You know, if I'm really flat, and I have been during COVID because we had, we've just come out of a 107 day lockdown. And, you know, a lockdown in Sydney is a lockdown. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, you can't right. do very much. And so that meant 107 nights for me alone. 
But I had to. The voice in my head was saying, you can't do this, this is too hard, you can't do this, this is too hard. But then I have got that and I, I do understand that a lot of people don't. Hang on, Cheryl, you can do this because this is what you can be doing at night. Start setting yourself projects, start setting yourself this, start setting yourself that. And I feel that once you accept the chatter, you're on your way to kind of understanding how you work as a person. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's step one. You know, when people tell me they experience chatter at times, what I say to them is, welcome to the human condition. Congratulations. Most people do. And I think, you know, first, the first step is not beating yourself up. If you find yourself experiencing chatter, recognizing that, look, this is, this is part of the human experience that at times this tool we have, our inner voice can run, run awry, can we, it can lead us astray. But the good news is that like you just described with your example, we know that there are many different tools that people can use to, to basically harness their chatter, to regain control of their inner voice. You know, I recently heard someone say, uh, speaking of the pandemic, that our brains aren't built to deal with the uncertainty that we're experiencing right now. I, I fundamentally disagree with that. Yeah. I think our brains are precisely built to manage this uncertainty and the chatter it brings. So uncertain, we don't like uncertainty. Human beings, we like to be controlling. We All of us, we're control freaks. We like the world to be predictable. But here's the amazingly neat thing about the human mind. Evolution helped provide us with this mind that is capable of dealing with the curveballs that life throws at us, with the uncertainty. There was a point in my career where I did something really, you could say brave, but you could also say stupid. I bought a house and I left my job, right? So I walked away <laughs> with no salary and a huge mortgage. And I was in, and I've talked about this before in the, in the podcast, I was in the car and I was listening to a government-funded um, um, broadcaster, ABC here, and there was an Indigenous man talking about how we live our lives. I never caught his name and I wish I had it. He was an Aboriginal elder. And do you know sometimes when you listen to things at the right time, how meaningful they become? He said that the problem with Westerners, meaning us, was that we live in the future, that, you know, we're going to be really happy when COVID ends. We're going to be really happy on Friday night. We can, we can go out for a drink. We're going to be doing this. He said, but the way that Aboriginal Australians think is the happiness is in the moment. The happiness is waking up in the morning and enjoying your first cup of coffee. That's kind of the ultimate happiness is living in the moment. And it's how you interact with yourself and with the immediate problems or scenarios around you. And do you know, that was a turning point in my life. I hmm. stopped actually thinking about the future and thought about now. Now that's a discipline. That's hard to do. It's very hard to do. And in fact, I spent a little bit of time talking about this in chatter. The, what, what that Aboriginal gentleman said to you makes a lot of sense. And we know that when people are filled with chatter about the future or the past, for that matter, it can be relieving to refocus our attention on what we're doing at one given moment in time. That's one tool that can be useful for managing chatter. But I think we can layer on an additional element to that approach because one of the points I like to make is that the human mind evolved to be able to travel in time for a reason. Being able to think about the future and reflect on the past when done properly 
can A, be really, really helpful, right? Without the ability to to do that, we wouldn't be able to learn from our mistakes. We wouldn't be able to savor past experiences. Like I, I experienced enormous joy thinking about things that happened. Like this past weekend, my, my oldest daughter performed in her first play. She was in Matilda and she was Matilda. This was a shining moment wow. for me. It was wow. <laughs> I must confess, I didn't realize how much of Matilda centered around Matilda's dad being a terrible human being. But you know, that aside. It was wonderful to watch her. And since since watching her show several days ago, I found myself just walking around the neighborhood or pacing the house and just thinking about what she accomplished there. And it fills me with joy. Likewise, I will sometimes think about, you know, we're going to go on a vacation in four months. We haven't done that in years. And I'm thinking about with my family going to the beach and the joy that that's going to bring. That's traveling in time in a way that brings me enormous joy and satisfaction. So what I like to to, to tell people, and I talk about this in the book is, when you're stuck in the past or or future with chatter, right? We don't have to shut down the time travel machine in your mind altogether to get you to feel better. We can also help you learn to travel in time in your mind more effectively without getting stuck. And I think that is ultimately the route to giving people the most flexibility so that I I want every person who reads Chatter to know, hey, I can still think about the past and the future, and I could do so in ways that are are very beneficial and self-gratifying. I don't have to, you know, shut that down altogether to be happy because I don't think it's possible to always be in the moment, knowing what I know about how the human human mind is is constructed. Yeah, because I think you're right. It's a discipline. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. So the other day, Sydney opened up and we were allowed, if you like, to have people over to their over to your house. And my two great one niece and one nephew came over five months and three months or something. And we put them on the floor and and the smiles and the chatter and and you know, it made me think of happiness mm-hmm. at that moment. Like, you know, babies are happy. They're naturally mm-hmm. happy. And I thought, when, like, I mean, I guess when does that stop? When does ch- chatter become? Because you can see it in babies and they're chatting when they're happy, right? So as we grow older, when does that scale, I guess, weight the other way? Yeah. What well, the we, turning you know, point is? Young, right. kids, young kids can experience. So, um, so it's not a clear linear progression. 
in the sense that as we all age, we become more filled with chatter. Some children are consumed with chatter from a very young age. I was recently speaking to a friend who was telling me about their, their kindergartner who was filled with all of these intense, intense worries about, you know, needles and and doctors and things of that sort, really in a debilitating way. So you can see chatter emerging early on in the lifespan. You can also see that chatter going away. So for some, some people are characterized by experiencing it early, then it goes away, then it comes back. Some people experience chatter with respect to specific things in their life, but not others. So you know, it's not the case, for example, that this is a trait that characterizes everything people do. For example, I'm pretty carefree, optimistic guy, but when it comes to my kids' health, well-being, and health, that's a chatter hotspot for me. I, I will confess, I mm-hmm. I worry about those kinds of things, mm-hmm. and I use the tools I talk about in the book to manage them. So it's complicated, but we do know that it can manifest very early, and then all across the lifespan. Mm-hmm. So talk to me about chatter and mental illness. Well, so chatter is something um, that I think most of us experience from time to time. And as I said before, it's a, it's a perfectly normal part of the human condition. Now, there are cases, and, and most of the book deals with those everyday normal experiences of chatter and the tools that can be useful in those instances. There are, of course, cases in which our chatter becomes more extreme. It becomes prolonged for long stretches of time and remains active. And in those instances, you know, I, I, I do suggest that folks see a mental health professional if they find that they're unable to essentially live the life they want to live for quite a bit. Um, so the, the, the intensity of chatter becomes more extreme in those situations of yes. mental illness. I was reading an article recently, I think it was in the New York Times, about daydreaming mm-hmm. and the value of daydreaming. Because, you know, as you get older, you give yourself less permission to do that. I mean, I'm a real daydreamer, but, you know, as I've gotten older, I'm, I'm busy. I'm, I'm always doing things. And that article reminded me how much I used to enjoy it. Daydreaming is uh, a tool, I think. And, you know, a lot of, so we spend between one half and one third of our waking hours not focused on the present, lost in thought, essentially daydreaming. And we spend a significant portion of that time lost in verbal thought, actually reflecting on our lives using words. And this is something I look forward to. I actually structure my day around giving me time to daydream. So several years ago, I made a commitment to stop driving to work. I don't live too far from, from campus where I work. I'm about eight, an 18 minute walk away. And whenever possible, I go on that walk and I try not to talk to other people on the phone. Uh, Don't always succeed, but but I try to just let my mind go. And I know that when I do just let my mind go, that usually helps me solve problems. It helps me uh, identify new things to to study. Uh, If I'm not thinking about work, I often find myself transported to some happy place, whether it be my daughter's play, uh, you know, to give you a recent example, or or a future vacation. So I fully support daydreaming at the appropriate time and place. You you don't want to be daydreaming when you're doing an interview um, <laughs> on, on Zoom. That wouldn't be good, right? You don't want to be daydreaming when you're in math class and learning how to do a geometric proof. 
So you want to know when to let your attention just go and when to focus it. And I think that's, that's one of the, that's something we can actually teach both children and adults how to do effectively. We don't spend much time teaching people about these concepts right now. People just kind of stumble into it. I think, you know, you said, I like daydreaming, but I don't do it very often. Right. Well, what if you were taught about the value of daydreaming in school? Like maybe it would be for you like an exercise regimen where you carve out a half hour every day to do this because you know the benefits it provides. Mm -hmm. Um, I think there's a missed opportunity by not talking to people more about these concepts in school, in the workplace. And and I hope Chatter changes some of that. Well, I think I have learned so much by talking to authors like yourself, but I do often think, why wasn't I taught this at school? Yeah, I mean, particularly chatter, because I think a lot of teenagers would benefit from reading this book. Oh, absolutely. In fact, one of the reasons for writing chatter came from an experience in the classroom. I was teaching a class essentially on much of the material I talk about in chatter to graduating seniors at the University of Michigan. And the final day of a class about five or six years ago, a student asked me a question before we ended. And the question was, why are we learning about this now? Mm. And I had no idea what she was getting at. She went on to explain, you know, we spent this entire semester learning about all these tools we can use to think better, to feel better, to act better, to have better relationships. Why didn't anyone teach us about this earlier on in life when we could have benefited from it in middle school and high school? And I didn't have a very good answer to that question. And it really got me thinking, hey, what can we do to share what we know from the science of how to manage our mind and how to manage our chatter? We know a lot. It's not perfect, but it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. How do we share that with? Well, yeah, I agree because I think a lot of teenage angst, and you know, I'm not a specialist in this area, but it is because they're living in their own mind, and some reason hormonally, a large part of that chatter for them is negative. And if we teach them how to turn that negative into or how to control it, how to manage it, I think that that would be, you know, hugely beneficial. To I, I completely agree. We're actually doing a project right now. It's a, in some ways a companion piece to the book chatter. This is a project in which we have, my colleagues and I have developed a curriculum that's a 14 lesson curriculum that teaches students about the science of self-control and how to manage yeah. their emotions. And what we're trying to do, what we're hoping to do, we're supposed to have this study done a long time ago. Um, well, a long time before COVID struck, but essentially we are working with an entire high school district in rural Georgia here in the United States. We're going to be rolling this curriculum out in 275 classrooms. So thousands of thousands of students will learn these lessons. And what we want to do in the context of a research experiment is see not only can students learn effectively about this material if we teach it to them. We think they will be able to learn the lessons we teach, but will they then use this information in their daily lives to achieve better, to have better relationships, to get less stress, to manage their emotions effectively? Well, to give them coping tools. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what we're doing. You know, you you, you teach students math and you teach them at a computer percentage they go to a restaurant, they compute a tip that's a skill they can use. And we think these are skills of the mind that are essential skills that they will be much better off if they have in terms of their ability to navigate life successfully. So so stay tuned for what happens there. 
So how did you um, come to to this area, to this specialization? Because often on this podcast, we like to know how how the author yeah. to to now. Well, um, here's a short version of the story. I've been studying chatter formally uh, for 20 years, about 20 years, but I've been thinking about it for close to 40. And the experience goes back to when I was three years old growing up in in New York, in, in Brooklyn, with a, a relatively what I would call an unconventional dad. Unconventional because on the one hand, my dad was the archetype, the stereotype of a, of a middle-aged Brooklyn night growing up in the 1980s. He liked watching the New York Yankees on TV. He's a chain smoker, terribly aggressive driver on the road. But when he wasn't doing those things, he was sitting in his bedroom in the lotus position, uh, meditating. And when he wasn't doing that, he was reading Eastern philosophical texts. And when he wasn't reading those things or meditating, he was talking to me as a three-year-old about what he was learning. One of the first lessons he gave me was to instruct me, well, whenever something bad happened, when you experienced any kind of chatter, if you will, he didn't use that phrase, but was what he was talking about. He would tell me to turn my attention inward and tap into that inner voice in my head, try to come up with an answer, find a solution. And that advice really served me well growing up. Throughout my childhood and adolescence, I'd experience, you know, issues, chatter provoking, yeah, like, like anyone would. Yeah. Arguments with friends or mom or, you know, rejected by girls I asked out on dates. And when it would happen, I would do what he said. I would turn inward. I'd tap into that voice. I'd find an answer. I'd move on. So it was a skill that really benefited me. And then I got to college and I took my first psychology class. What I learned was on the one hand, lots of people benefited from doing this just as I had, but then an equal number of people were plagued by this inner voice. They would go inside, they turn their attention inward to figure out what was going on. They'd end up overcome with worry and rumination. And to me, that was a giant, giant puzzle. So why does do we have this tool, this voice in our head? That can be so amazingly beneficial in some contexts, but totally destructive in others. And so I went to graduate school to to learn how to use science to try to answer that question and identify tools that people can use to to harness their their voice when they find it morphing into chatter. So, So that's the origin story, if you will. Do you think, and this isn't a simple question to answer, but Sometimes I look around me and I think the more affluent we get, the sadder we get as a society. Do you think that's actually true or is it that we're more aware of it? You know, I have a more egalitarian perspective on chatter. I think chatter is one of the great non-discriminators. It doesn't really care how much money you make or what neighborhood you grow up or live in. We can all be vulnerable to it at times. And likewise, we can all adopt practices to help manage it. So you see very wealthy people who are struggling with chat. I've talked to, you know, C-level executives who they don't tell many people about it, but boy, are they overwhelmed with this. But then at the other end of the, you know, socioeconomic spectrum, you see people who are really struggling with poverty and the uncertainty that that brings and, and, and really debilitating conditions. And they're the chatter is different for a person at, at, at the, the low end of that spectrum. They may be concerned about whether they're going to get mugged on the way home from school one day or, or not having a meal, you know, whereas the CEO may be really, really struggling with how they're going to 
have enough profits to satisfy all their employees? And what if, you know, people want to quit in their own livelihood? And the problems on the surface are very, very different. But mechanically, what's happening in the mind is very similar. People are engaged in these negative thought loops. They're turning these problems over and over in their head. And they're not coming up with clear solutions to work through them. And so so it, it really doesn't discriminate. No. Okay, we were out of time, Ethan. The book is called Chatter, The Voice in Our Head and How to Harness It. It really is. I think it's it's a book that uh, should be a school text, actually. Uh, we should start early with this. Thank you so much for your time. Enjoy well, that. Thank, thank you, Cheryl. Enjoyed it immensely as well. And thank you for the kind words. If you'd like more information about Better Reading, follow us on Facebook or visit betterreading.com.au. This podcast is proudly sponsored by Belinda Audio. Belinda Audio books are available on CD and MP3 from online booksellers and bookshops everywhere, or you can download from Audible, Google Play or the iBook Store. We've also created our own app called BorrowBox that's available from both the App Store and Google Play. All you need to do to get it working is to download the app, join your local public library, and you'll gain access to the world's best collection of e-books and e-audiobooks available for you to loan on your phone or your personal device. Belinda, we're here to enable you to escape, imagine, grow, and be inspired through the power of storytelling. Belinda Audiobooks. Anywhere. Everywhere. It's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. If you enjoyed this podcast, leave us a review and check out the other podcasts on the Better Reading Network.